The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Public contracts securing hotel accommodation for refugee and asylum seekers is uh, now a concern for the prospects of Ireland's tourism industry this year. That's according to new research from Folger Ireland, which found that a lack of availability, particularly in rural Ireland, is a cause for concern. I'm joined now by the CEO of Folger Ireland, uh, Paul Kelly. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, I've looked at some of the top lines from your survey and there's some good news in there, but there are concerning elements as well. First of all, who did you talk to? Yeah, this was a, this was a survey we do on a regular basis and we talk to basically, uh, you know, hundreds of businesses across the tourism sector, across all all parts of the tourism economy from uh, from, you know, hotels and guest houses to visitor attractions, activity providers, uh, transport providers uh, and, uh, you know, bars and restaurants, etc. So a wide range of tourism businesses. OK, now, in one of your findings, uh, it looks overall at whether or not people expect to have more business this year or the same or down on 2023. And overall, 44% expect business to be better than it was last year. 35% expect it to be the same. So that's pretty good news all around. You're talking about 80% basically and uh, 21% or thereabouts uh, saying that they expect business to, to be down. And then you go through the different sectors, whether they're tour operators, activity providers, uh, hotel and guest houses uh, and other accommodation, B&Bs uh, and so on. But it's when you get granular. You see, Dublin, yes. for example, relatively few hotels are given over to uh, asylum accommodation. Yeah, I think it, it, it. I think that's that's exactly the point, uh, Pat. Is that it? It is a it is a varying, a really interesting varying picture across the tourism economy. But as you say, overall, you know uh, that we had the majority of businesses were up in twenty three versus twenty two, so strong post COVID recovery, and uh, particularly those businesses that relied on overseas visitors coming in because of strong recovery in overseas visitors, particularly the North American market. So you know, overall on the revenue side, it was a good year in twenty twenty three. And as you say, you know, almost 80% of the businesses are predicting for 2024 that business is either going to be up or the same as last year. So, you know, overall at a revenue level, it is looking good. Except, except, except I suppose, food and drink. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the, 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 the cost uh, pressures that are in the industry uh, are really, really high in terms of, uh, obviously, the industry is, is still grappling with the return from 9% to 13.5% VAT rate. Uh, we have significant increase in labour costs with the rapidly increasing uh, rate of minimum wage and the knock-on impact that has on kind of the next levels up in, in the businesses where, you know, everyone's wages goes up in, in line with that. So there's real challenges along with, you know, continually rising insurance costs, uh, energy costs still very high. So the cost pressures in the business in businesses are really significant. So turning the revenue into bottom line operating yeah. profit is really difficult. For About businesses. half them, the food and drink people say business is going to be down. Now, this survey, was it done before or after the announcement on the extension of the warehousing of historic taxes? I think the survey was done before, uh, before, before. So the they might be a bit is, more optimistic. So, yeah, I think that's. I think that extension of the warehousing is is a really important, uh, really important benefit for for those businesses. So, I think that's well appreciated. Okay, now let's uh, concentrate on accommodation because uh, in rural areas and in uh, you know non-urban areas. Uh, you've got a whole tourist economy that depends on a number of things. It depends on people being able to stay over in B&Bs or in hotels. Then those people will enjoy the activities, yeah. pumping money into the economy that way, which in turn will generate maybe summer employment. 
So there's a huge boon from having visitors in those kind of areas. They're the ones who are worried. Yeah, now, uh, nationally, just to make sure the numbers are clear, nationally of registered tourism accommodation, about on our most recent survey, about 12% of registered tourism accommodation is, uh, is, is out of tourism use uh, for humanitarian reasons. Um, now, when we look at different counties, that goes up to 20 to 30% in some counties. Uh, so it is a very different picture um, in, uh, in, 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 different parts of the, in different parts of the country. Um, and, um, you know, as, um, uh, as we've outlined in previous research, you know, for every euro that's spent by a visitor in accommodation, they spend two and a half euros in other areas, such as visitor attractions, activities, uh, food and drink, retail, etc. Now, importantly, uh, Minister Martin has announced this morning that she's approved our proposed scheme for uh, activities and attractions. So there's now going to be financial support available and we'll be announcing details of that on March the 4th. Uh, the, mechan- what, the exact mechanisms what, of that. I was going to ask you that. For, you don't know anything about it yet. But no, no, we, we, uh, we have... How we, do you decide which attraction merits funding? We have... Funding? Um, it, is, it is going to be based on uh, the the geographic areas that we know are impacted by a higher proportion of the tourism accommodation gone and then also looking at the revenue of those businesses and revenue decline uh, of those businesses. So we'll be giving the full details of that on on March 4th. One of the reasons that people are positive, uh, for example, 47% of the businesses you talk to, uh, they're positive because of repeat visitors. You know, the people they're used to, they'll come back again, they enjoyed their stay. Um, if you give over your accommodation to, uh, as you say, humanitarian uh, reasons, um, that repeat business will die off. Yeah, it, it is. You so know, when of, they reopen again yeah. normally, um, they may be in terminal de- decline. I mean, that, that is one of our real concerns in terms of and why, you know, like everyone in the tourism kind of industry, we're... we're we're, 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 you know, asking that alternatives can be found as soon as possible. And we know that's incredibly difficult and we know people are working on it. But, you know, in terms of we, we want to see those alternatives found as soon as possible because it's not just individual businesses, it's towns, you know, in terms of it. There's, there's tourism towns around the country that are, without the visitors and without the visitor economy, they begin to go into decay in terms of you might have businesses closing up. And, you know, people then, when those, when those accommodation come back on stream, the town has to recover as well. And, you know, we've spent a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of taxpayers' money investing and developing those towns over, over you know, over the last 10 years or so. And, you know, so we do, we ideally want to see those back into tourism as soon as possible so they can be healthy, vibrant tourism mm-hmm. destinations. Um, you don't really point the finger at people who've opted out of tourism and into asylum seeking. Uh, no, I mean, you know, in terms of businesses make commercial decisions based on uh, trying to trying to to to, to uh, you know meet the needs of their show, shareholders and you know do you know in terms of and and manage their own businesses. So you know, in terms of uh, you know their commercial decisions that people make, uh, and some people, uh, you know, the vast majority of of tourism accommodation providers has opted to stay in tourism, uh, but there are some who have opted to leave tourism in order to provide it. And it is really important as well that you know these these people who require international protection do need somewhere to stay and we do have an obligation and a responsibility to welcome them properly. So, you know, in terms of it is just about trying to, uh, you know, find alternatives so that that accommodation can come back into tourism and that will be what makes commercial sense for those businesses in the long term. Now, sometimes uh, events, dear boy, events uh, get in the way of uh, tourism and it can be a war, it can be uh, the, the dollar's value falling, the dollar is beneficial to us 
at the moment. Ireland is still, to some American eyes, quite inexpensive compared to their own economy. Uh, That, of course, can ebb and flow. Um, But Ireland is becoming a very expensive destination. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think for, for North Americans at the moment, particularly for, for, for the US, a combination of the rate of inflation in, their, in the hospitality sector of their own economy and the strength of the dollar does mean that when they come to Europe, they find Europe quite cheap uh, relative to uh, the, the, their own experience in, in, in their home country. And, you know, in terms of, and that's true for Ireland as well. And obviously the dollar to the euro exchange rate is a, is a key element in that. Um, so that is really helping us at, at, at the moment. Um, but importantly for European visitors and for our own domestic market, uh, you know, it is we are seeing, um, you know, some challenges on that value for money. Mm. And, you know, and what about dynamic pricing that. that the whole hotel industry uses? In other words, if there's a concert on, the price goes up through the roof to, to the point that you can actually go to another European city, pay for your Ryanair tickets, have a great time, drink cheap beer and have the same experience, except it's the Spanish who are cheering around you or the Portuguese or the French or whatever, instead of your own uh, compatriots. Yeah, I mean, the dynamic pricing is a is a really important and a key enabler of the development of, of the hotel sector and, and other parts of tourism. And we've seen what dynamic pricing has done to a, to expansion of, of the airline capacity, you know, in terms of we wouldn't be able to enjoy all of those cheap flights to and from Ireland if the if the airlines weren't able to do dynamic and and, and likewise for hotels there's lot dynamic pricing means that when there isn't availability there's lots of there's lots of cheap options as well when when there is availability sorry there's there's cheap options as opposed to when it's high now that dynamic pricing is the same Everywhere around the world, that's done. The issue we have in Ireland, and particularly but, but how, in Dublin... How, how, how come so, when you go to, for yeah. example, uh, this one. I tried to book a night in Limerick for a Snow Patrol concert in July this year. At the start of January, couldn't get a hotel anywhere nearby. Nearest available to Limerick was Port Leash. Now, come on. So, um, our, our issue so I ended Ireland, up selling my tickets, and now the dinners and lunch and shopping that would have been done in Limerick by us will now not be... It's very. It must be very hard for the cafes and restaurants sector that rely on people uh, coming to stay. And that's from Neve in Dublin. Yeah. The, the, look, the, the key element is we, we live in a private sector economy where supply and demand need to be balanced. The key issue we have in Ireland is we don't have enough hotel capacity. We don't have enough hotel capacity, particularly in our big cities, uh, particularly in Dublin. And obviously with, 10 to, with 12% coming out, that has made the issue even worse. So... The, the long-term solution to this is to increase the number of hotels. And that's the difference between Ireland and other European countries. We have a, a measure that we call compression nights, which is how many nights is the city effectively full? And the difference between uh, Dublin and other major European cities is the city is full way more nights of the year. I think it's almost 100 nights a year the city is actually full. And that's what drives that pricing up. So you do see that effect in other markets. But, you know, in terms of if you've got a city the size of Paris and you have a rugby international, it is relatively dwarfed. Whereas if you have a city side of Dublin and you have a rugby international, Mm. it overtakes the whole city. So we just need more hotel uh, development and hotel capacity coming into the market. And that will equalise that supply and demand issue, which will prevent that type of issue happening as frequently as it currently happens. I remember years ago, I was in Prague, uh, just arrived there with a pal, and we went to the tourist office uh, to try and find a place to stay, and the guy said to me, the city, it is full. (laughs) And I laughed. I thought, this is a joke. 
And he said, no, the city, it is full. There is no place to stay. So we ended up sleeping in a park under a tree um, and got out of Prague as quickly as we could. Some of the comments coming in, the hospitality tourism sector didn't need to give hotels to the government. It was a choice, a choice with no care for the communities they were in, driven by greed. If they fail in the long term, tough. It's their own fault. I'm sorry, but it's the truth. Another one, any hotel owner who abandons the welfare of its own town to make a fast book housing asylum seekers should be boycotted forevermore. I mean the the problem you advert to which is a real one that you don't have loads of hotels around the place and in the winter months possibly they're not viable at all so they limp along through the winter in order to make hay in the summer. I I think I think it's important for for I, I understand that sentiment I think we've got to also remember that we are coming off the back of COVID where six billion euros was lost to the tourism sector. Now, our analysis say roughly about two billion kind of came in from the government to support it, but that still leaves a huge loss in revenue. So, you know, the the, the tourism sector have been through the, through an incredibly difficult time through COVID where they were opening and closing. They had all sorts of restrictive guidelines to put in place and they, the guidelines for public health reasons had to keep changing, etc. So it was a really difficult time. They lost an awful lot of business. So in terms of if, and these are people who have, you know, have got family, some of them have got family businesses that have been in the sector for years, etc. So, you know, in terms of if it is hard in that context to uh, and you've got people you mentioned debt warehousing so you've got a lot of you've still got a lot of people who've got big tax bills that they they have to pay off so there's a lot of challenges in the sector there's huge cost increases uh coming along they've just struggled mm. with with a return to the higher vat rate etc so there's a lot of challenges in the sector um uh that so you know it, it is easy to kind of uh, you know um criticise individual business decisions, but you've got to understand the dynamics of each business. Um, Not a lot of sympathy coming in for hoteliers in the cities. The city might be full, but it's still the hotel that jacks up the price. It's pure greed. I mean, some of the prices are so extortionate that they really, it's like when someone has to come home on a Ryanair or Aer Lingus flight because of a bereavement and because they're booking at the last minute, the 100 euro ticket is 600 euro. The the pricing, we've just completed a, a, a pricing study and we are the pricing in Dublin is roughly in line with tier one. On average, is roughly in line with tier one cities in Europe. When we look at average daily rates, so the amount that people pay on average. Now, it is it is fair to say that Dublin is a tier two city, so it would compare with the likes of Edinburgh and Copenhagen, etc. But the pricing in Dublin is now more in line so, so with we're tier one cities. Basically, so um, Paris, in the second London, division, but we're charging Premier League prices. Yeah, I think that that that's what that's what the data says on average. Now, there'll obviously be spikes and different people with different stories, you know, in terms of of different individual rates because of dynamic pricing. But that's the average picture, is that we're, we're a, you know, a tier two city, but our pricing is in line with tier one. And the key way to address that is to uh, have a situation where we can get more hotel capacity. There is more coming on stream, but we need more. We want to see that supply and demand much better balanced where, there, where the city is not full as often as it is, because that's limiting uh, the development of tourism uh, in, in the country. So we, we want to see, because in Dublin, it's not just about Dublin. Dublin is the gateway to the rest of the country. And if people coming in from abroad can't get a night in Dublin, that could mean that we lose seven or eight of their nights all around the country. Uh, if they can't get that night before when they arrive, 
arrive or before they fly out the next day. So it is really important uh, that we get that hotel capacity extended in Dublin. Yeah, well, uh, they may kill the goose that lays the golden egg because there are loads of hotels coming on stream, are there not? Um, And, you know, people say, I'll never darken the door of that place again after the way they uh, treated me. Uh, All the comments are negative. The hotels have it great at the moment, constant business from refugees and asylum seekers and then dynamic pricing option of tourists. If you look for a hotel anywhere in Ireland at the moment, there are no deals because they don't need to entice people in with offers because there's no other show in town. I, look, I, I think, you know, it is it is accurate enough to say that from a revenue perspective, hotels are doing very well at the moment because the government contracts for those businesses and then those hotels who uh, who don't have the government contracts are getting a pricing bump because of the lack of availability. That's absolutely the case. But it's really important to say the tourism economy is much wider than hotels. It is the activity providers, the attractions, uh, the, the restaurants, the bars, the, 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 the retail, etc. So it is those downstream businesses. Now, you know, as I said earlier, you know, we have announced the scheme specifically. Minister Martin has announced the scheme specifically to support activities and attractions. Uh, so we'll be able to help those businesses in impacted areas. But it is important to say that tourism economy is a much wider ecosystem uh, and it is those other businesses that are struggling even more at the moment. So they'll be supported to stay open with nobody coming uh, because there's nowhere to stay. Well look, they'll, they'll be supported to, to stay open with fewer visitors than they would normally have. So it's about We shall see. Uh, anyway, interesting stuff in your survey. Paul Kelly, CEO of Fault Ireland. Thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.